Hello, Nexus Church family, and welcome to our final message in the series in the book of Haggai. And we've been examining some powerful truths in this series about how God longs to connect with us. You see, this, this book was written to the Israelites who had just come out of captivity, and now we're in the promised land again. After nearly 70 years, they were back again. And after a couple of years of being there, God instilled in the hearts of the leaders that they are to build his temple again. Again, at that time, in that part of the history of mankind, God predominantly connected with his people through the temple in the Holy of Holies. That's where he dwelt. And they hadn't built the temple yet. They had started building their houses and the walls. And now God is saying, why aren't you building my temple where my presence dwells. They finally started doing it, and after a couple of years, they looked around and they were discouraged. And this book really addresses their discouragement. They were obviously discouraged because it didn't look as beautiful as it once was, but they also were experiencing some kind of persecution. The people who had been placed in that land to take care of it while Israel's in captivity, they wouldn't like it very well, and so they were against them, and other things were happening but after 14 years of not working on the temple, God once again called out through Haggai to build his temple. And as we read, God addressed their discouragement once again. And really, we processed our own discouragement throughout this series and kind of went back to what are we called to? We're called to connect with God. Why do we do what we do so that we can connect to God? Why do we worship? Why do we pray? Why do we work in the fields that we work in? Predominantly, it's to give glory and to connect to God in some way, shape, or form. And so now we come to our final book, or our final part in this book, which kind of at first seems a little like it's just thrown in there randomly, but as we will see, it is actually a very important part of both connecting to God and not giving up. Staying in the fight. Because as we learned last week, God ultimately is the one who's responsible for making things great. Our job is just to do the work, to continue to go forward. He makes things great, whether through us or through somebody else, or he just does it himself. God is ultimately responsible for making all things great and to work all things out for good, for his glory. And so that brings us to our final part in this book. And today, if there's one thing that I really want you to get, it's the point that we are to be influencers. And that's the final part. We are to connect to God. We are to continue to work for God. But we're also called to be an influencer, to light or make our lights shine so that God can be glorified throughout all the world. We'll get to that in just a minute. First, let's just read Haggai chapter 2, verses 10, and we'll go down through verse 14, and then we'll finish off the rest after that. On the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. This is what the Lord of armies says, ask the priests for a ruling. So here is a question. If a man is carrying consecrated meat 
in the fold of his garment, and it touches bread, stew, wine, oil, or any other food, does it become holy? Priests answered, no. Then Haggai asked, if someone defiled by contact with a corpse touches any of these things, does it become defiled? The priest answered, it becomes defiled. So this goes back to the Levitical teachings that they had had for, for centuries. Where did that come from? Well, God continues through Haggai. Then Haggai replied, so is this people and so is this nation before me. This is the Lord's declaration. So again, the Lord's declaration comes. I was like, pay attention, right? And so it is with every work of their hands. Even what they offer there is defiled. So this wasn't exactly like God was looking down at Israel and said, you guys are defiled because you've been hanging around bad stuff, right? Like that whole analogy is like, who you hang out with matters. What influence you matters, Israel, right? Be careful who you hang around. It matters. Now, it's, it's not like we can make things holy by us walking into a place, right? That, that's what God said at first. If something holy comes into an unholy place, it, it can't make something holy. However, something unholy can influence us. So be careful. Now, that's not to say that we can't be influencers. In fact, that's what the nation of Israel was supposed to be. This is just a warning. Be careful. Because what you do inside of your head, what you surround yourself with, can corrupt. And we'll get into that in the next series that we have coming up. But for now, just understand, you can either be influenced or be an influencer. Listen to God's word. We read in Isaiah 60, Verses 1 through 3, God's heart for Israel. This goes all the way back to Genesis when God made them to be a light. God called Abram out and he was supposed to be an influencer to the world. And so Isaiah calls out once again and says, Arise, Jerusalem, let your light shine for all to see. For the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Darkness, as black as night, covers all the nations of the earth. But the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. See, Israel was supposed to display the beauty of God, the purity of God, the holiness of God. That was what Israel was supposed to do. That's where the, the temple was supposed to be erected and God was supposed to influence his people through it. We are to do likewise. Listen to what 1 Peter 2.12 says. He says, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles, or those who don't know God, honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. We are to be influencers. Now, again, 
We, to be, we are to be cautious. We're not to be influencers, right? Uh, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 15, Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. We, we do need to be careful. However, that doesn't mean, as Paul would say in other parts of Corinthians, that we remove ourselves from this world because we are to be in it. We are to change it. If you took all the Christians out of this world, what would the world be like? I hope it would be a lot worse place, right? I hope that we're making a difference in this world. Whether it just be one person at a time, or we see a revival and multitudes come, we are to be influencers. So then we continue to read. I, I really like this part now. It's going to take a little bit to work through, but the premise of the first part, pretty simple, right? Going back to the beginning of Haggai, we are to connect with God. That's exactly what God wants. He wants us to connect to Him. We are to be influenced by Him and then influence the world around us. Pretty simple, basic concept. Now verse 15. Now from this day on, think carefully. There's that word again. We read it in the first chapter multiple times. Think carefully carefully think carefully today so like if you don't get anything else out of this maybe that's just for you think carefully like stop process reflection like i think our society needs a whole lot of reflection right now reflect spend that time it's so important think carefully or reflect before one stone was placed on another in the Lord's temple, what state were you in? When someone came to a grain, a heap of 20 measures, it only amounted to 10, half as much. When one came to the wine press to dip 50 measures from a vat, it only poured out 20, less than half. I struck you, all the work of your hands with blight, mildew, and hail, but you didn't turn to me. This is the Lord's declaration. From this day on, here it is again, think carefully from the 24th day of the ninth month, from the day the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Think carefully. Is there still seed left in the granary, the, the vine, the fig, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have not yet produced? But from this day on, I will bless you. So back to the beginning. Think carefully. Before one stone was placed on another, God asked to them, where were you at? What state were you in? What state were you in when God called you into his family? Isn't that a great thought? What state were you in? For me, oh my goodness, I was the most miserable person. I hated everything. I was Mr. Negative. I swore all the time. Everything was just horrible in my life. I was a teenager, and man, was I full of rage and hatred and fear. Like, it was not a good day. What state were you in, O Israel? You had nothing. You had nothing. You were a slave. I'd taken you from your land because your thoughts 
and your works, your deeds were evil. You didn't care for the widow or the orphan or the refugee. You didn't take care of the least of these, O Israel. So I sent you off because you rebelled against me. You thought that just because you had the temple and my presence dwelt in the temple that you were okay. And so I sent you into slavery and you were just dreaming of that day when you could return back to the promised land and you could be in the temple again or in the city where the temple was and my presence would be back again. But oh Israel, that's not where the presence of God truly dwells. It dwells with those who honor me, who in their heart revere me. Or as, as we read in the second chapter, right at the beginning, and, and at the end of chapter 1, the fear of the Lord. Now again, it's not the scared aspect. It's the awe, the trust, the revere for God. You had lost that, Israel. And you think just by coming back to the promised land and having the temple built that you'd be okay. That's not what it is all about. It's about your heart, O Israel. You would longed. You longed to come back and now here you are. You built that foundation. And maybe, maybe the temple was even finished at this point. We really don't have a clear explanation of where the temple was at at this point. But they were doing the work. They were building the temple. And then they looked around. It's almost like there was just this sense of discouragement still in Israel at this time. After all that God had promised, all that they were doing, his favor was back on them, right? The Spirit of God aroused them. It empowered them. They were doing the work. They were back in God's nation, His land, building the temple. And He asked them, is there still seed left in the granary? He was asking them what was in their heart again. Isn't that crazy? God is over and over asked in the book of Haggai. Let me ask you a question. And it revealed their heart. Could you imagine like you have this question in your heart and God asks you that exact question. They're looking around and they're discouraged. They don't have food yet. They don't have the provisions they need. Their houses line shambles. Maybe they don't have a job yet. Look around. God asks, is there still seed left in the granary? The vine, the fig, the pomegranate, and all the olive trees have not yet produced. It's almost like they're saying, God, you promised favor. You, you promised that your presence would be with us if we do what you called us to do. And so you called us to build the temple with the assumption, the belief that favor of God would come back. Where is it? Why isn't it here? And then God promises them, don't get ahead of me. Don't get ahead of me. I will bless you. 
See, so often we get that, don't we? We're like, we did everything you told us to, God. We're following you the best we can. You asked us to give the best we can, not to look at this temple and, and get discouraged because it fails compared to what the other temple was. It's just not beautiful. It's not big. It's just everything about it just, ugh. And you told us, don't look at what you have. Just do what I called you to. Be strong. Work. I will be with you, and I will make it way better than you could ever imagine. You just do your part. I'll take care of it. We're doing that, God. We're following everything you've said up until this point. And now we look around, and we still don't have your favor. You have not blessed us. And God looks at them and says, don't you let that thought get the best of you. I will bless you. You hold on. You hold on. I will bless you. You see, God is working things out. In his time, when you are ready for the blessing. And God was like, it's, a, it's coming. From this day on, I will bless you. It's like, you guys are ready. You guys are ready. You're struggling. It's okay. But you guys are now ready. I'll bless you. And that's what this whole book of Haggai is all about. God is with you. He's fighting for you. He just continues to go back to the beginning. Will you build my house? Oh, Israel, will you build my house? Don't get discouraged, part two. And now go out and be that influencer. Don't let the world influence you. Don't let that unholy stuff corrupt you. You go out and you be a light. You shine for me. That's what the whole book of Haggai is about. And so today, let's just break that down for you, piece by piece. Have you connected to God? Build my house. I want to connect to you. Just as much as he wanted to connect to Israel and have them build his house, he wants to connect to you. But here's the difference. He doesn't live in a temple or in the Holy of Holies. He lives inside of you. He wants to connect inside with you. Are you giving him that? Will you let his Holy Spirit in and dwell in you? That's for you to decide today. And don't get discouraged. Don't lose heart. You will experience setback, discouragement, failure. Don't let that determine your future so many of us, we start out in the Christian walk and we're just excited. We're excited about God doing a work in us and through us and we can't wait. And then we get 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, and we look around and we feel like we're no further along than anybody else who never gave their life to Jesus. And we question, God, are you good? Where's your favor? I thought you'd said you'd change me and work through me. And God's like, I am. You're just trying to get ahead of me. You don't worry. You just keep doing what you're doing. I'll make things awesome. You just keep doing. Don't stop. Keep pressing. Keep loving me. I'll make things awesome. Working all things out for good. Right? 
for your good, for other people's good, for his glory. He's got it. He cares way more about things than you ever could imagine, right? Because he wants all people to be saved. He wants his glory to be known. And he wants to use you to portray that, which we were talking about today. He wants you to be an influencer, to continue to grow in him, to continue to love him, to be faithful, to trust him, that that fear of God. He wants that to develop, that you would become more like Christ, transformed by the renewing of your mind. I want to read to you a, a passage from Galatians 5, 22 through 23. We call this the fruit of the Spirit. Now, you may know it as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control. You may know the fruit of the Spirit that way, but in the message translation, it says it in such a different, powerful way. And I just want to go through it slowly and let it sink in for you today. And then we'll make a few comments and end our time together today. And so I want to preclude this with the, with the statement that salvation is a free gift, right? Becoming more like Christ isn't us earning God's salvation, or favor, it is out of a heart of love, of trust, of fear of Him, a good fear. And so I don't want you to get that mixed up today. That when we talk about being an influencer and growing in the likeness of Christ, that's not because we need to earn our salvation, it's a free gift. We want to live out our lives as a representation so that other people can see God in and through us. So they can come to know him and want to be in his family. And so here's Paul writing to the Galatians in chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. But what happens when we live God's way? Right? Not only do we be a light to the world, he brings gifts into our lives. These are gifts. Another way of saying favor. Listen, things like affection for others, love, exuberance about life, joy, serenity, or peace. We develop a willingness to stick with things. Man, I can use that. Or patience. A sense of compassion in the heart, kindness, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people goodness. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, faithfulness, not needing to force our way in life, gentleness, able to marshal and direct our energy wisely, self-control. I want to promote to you today that God's favor, I'm thinking, looks a lot like the fruit of the Spirit. Listen to this again. But what happens when we live God's way? When we continue to desire his presence, continue to walk towards him, to have a longing to be with him. What happens? He brings gifts into our lives. 
So often when we think of just like what the Israelites fought with Haggai, in their minds they were discouraged because they thought the temple was going to be better than it was. They, they felt like failures. They felt like God wasn't with them. They, they weren't getting the, the food and the water and the clothes. They weren't getting the things that they thought God would bring when they went to work on the temple. Things just didn't turn out. So they were looking for things of this earth, the physical things, the things that we can feel and touch. But in the end, when we pass away, they all fade away. They're like moth. They'll get destroyed. But the things that really matter, the things that are of eternal value that will be with us forever, maybe that's what God's talking about. Maybe that's what God was saying throughout all of history to his people. I want to bless you. I want to pour out my favor upon you. Maybe it wasn't so much protection and having resources. Though those things do matter. I mean, we obviously clearly need sustenance to live. And he did that and he created that. But ultimately, I can have all my needs met. And if I don't have love, if I don't have joy, if I don't have peace, if I don't have patience, if I don't have aspects of goodness and faithfulness and self-control, and if I don't have that, it doesn't matter if I have all of my needs met. If inside I don't have any kind of self-control or love or joy, what does it matter? Your state of mind is so much more valuable than things on this earth. And that's the favor I believe God wants to give to you. So today, that is my prayer for you. That you would stop looking at things around you in this physical world. Start looking to Jesus and say, I want to connect with you. I want to drive towards you. I don't work on these things inside of me that matter to you so that I can... Receive the gifts. Receive the favor of love, joy, peace, and all. And so, Father, I pray for every person listening today that they would do exactly what the book of Haggai was all about, that they would connect with you, that they don't get discouraged by things around them in this physical world, that they would be a light and they would light, let your favor come upon them in the form of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. God, fill your people that have called upon you. Fill them with the favor of the fruit of the Spirit this week. May they long after you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today, Nexus Church Family Online, and I so look forward to you next week as we begin a new series. We'll see you then.